0: Lord God, thank you again that you have called us, your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be here together today to open up your word and learn of you. God, I pray that you would bless my brothers and my sisters who are gathered here today, and that you would help us to hear from you in ways that we might understand and be moved by. God, speak to our hearts, know our needs, know our concerns. Bless us, O oh Father. God, we pray for those today who uh, around the world who don't have the privilege of worshiping you in public. We remember our brothers and sisters for whom it is a crime to call on the name of Jesus. God, help us to mirror their faith, their courage, to praise you and worship you, even when it's uncomfortable. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, that you first loved us. So be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning again, Sanctuary. Um, It is an honor and privilege to have this opportunity to to be before you again in this way. I want to take a moment again and acknowledge the, 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 our guests from the Rites of Passage program, um, a group of incredible young men. I had some time a couple of weeks ago to be a part of their retreat, uh, an overnight retreat that they do as a part of their their program, and and I can say firsthand that these are some of the brightest young leaders in the Twin Cities area. So, can we just put our hands together and thank God for these young men again? <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about your future, about what God will do in your lives, and what you will do as you go on to become young men who impact communities like North Minneapolis and beyond. And so if you're, your journeys bring you back to the Twin Cities, know that there's a church here, Sanctuary Covenant Church, uh, that loves you guys and, and wants to cheer you on. would love to have you be a part of what God is doing here. Um, We we also thank God for the men who mentor them and work with them, including a bunch of sanctuary folks as well. Our brother Rodney Anderson. Is Rodney in the room or is he running around? Rodney? Rodney's one of the, the leaders of this year's group. I um, have some of my fraternity brothers who are also a part of it. We, the, the sponsoring group, Jack and Jill, um, their president, Sister Alicia Phillips, who's a part of our church, is the president of that organization. And we have a number of Jack and Jill moms who are part of our congregation. And so I thought it, would, it made good sense for these young men to be with us today because many sanctuary people have poured into them and into that program. And so we thank God that they're with us today. Um, we, we're going we're gonna to jump into the message um, this morning, and I'm excited for what God will say to us through this message. We are in week three of a series that we've been calling Forgotten God. Forgotten God. It, it is a, a, an examination of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, our theme for the year. Our theme for the year is breath. We're asking God to help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the church and so this first series is called Forgotten God because when we think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is often the one that gets neglected and is not remembered. And so we're, we're looking together at, this, at the Bible to understand who is the Holy Spirit. Here's what, here's what Stanley Grenz, who is a, a popular theologian, says about the Trinity that, that makes good sense for me this morning as we lean into this message. He says, not only did the early Christian faith consist of confession of Jesus and the belief in one God, it also included the assertion that God is now present among his people through the Holy Spirit. So we want to grab a hold of that assertion that God is present with us through the Holy Spirit. And if God is present with us through the Holy Spirit, it makes good sense for us to know who the Holy Spirit is. Today, the simple assertion that I want to make, the simple thought that I want to lay out for us today is that the Spirit is a gift. In week one, I told us that the Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son, a part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. In week two, Pastor Rose shared with us that the Spirit is personal, that the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force, out-of-control being, out there just doing stuff. The Holy Spirit is not the Tasmanian devil. The Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us and comforts us and comes alongside us and is involved in the day to day activities of our life. And this week, I want us to see that the Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence freely given to us. And it offers us countless resources that are necessary to live together as the people of God. There there seem to be a number of ways when we look at the Old Testament and we look at our, our forebearers, the ancient Israelites, their experience of God at that stage seemed a bit different with the Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping to help us today to see the ways in which the coming of Jesus changed how we experience the Holy Spirit. But first I wanna start with the story, perhaps a modern day parable. Christmas is about two months gone now, but I want you to use your imagination this morning and imagine that you have been given the right to peek into another family's home. This family is known as, let's call them, uh, the Holy Family. The Holy Family. There's, there's, uh, there's, there's Holy Father. There's Holy Mother. Let's say there's also Holy Grandmother who moved up from South Carolina uh, to help take care of the kids. Um, you know my prayer. So there's the Holy Family, mom, dad, grandmother. Let's say there's three kids, one's 10, one's six, one's around two. And it's Christmas morning in the Holy Family household. Let's say uh, 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 the dad, Mr. Holy, is in the kitchen cooking in his mind his world famous French toast. Nobody really likes his French toast, but they don't have the nerve to tell him that it's not really that good. And so dad's in the kitchen cooking his French toast. Mom, grandmom, and the kids are gathered around the Christmas tree there in the living room, and they're opening gifts. In this family, they they don't go crazy at Christmas, but they do try to be very intentional, and they try to buy every kid one gift that they will really, really love. And so dad's in the kitchen doing this thing. Mom, grandmom, and the kids are around the tree gathered there opening the gifts, and they see a scenario play out over and over again. A kid will open up the gift, and there's an initial excitement, and then the kid will place the gift, set it down, and go away from it. They go back to grab their cell phone or grab something that they had before. And they see that play over and over again. Dad's in the kitchen cooking, and he walks into the living room, and he sees a scene that was horrific to him. All three kids there. Their gifts are are on 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 the couch or something. Nobody's playing with the gift. Nobody's engaging with the gift. All three kids are on the floor playing with the wrapping paper. They've invested money and time and resource into buying gifts, and nobody's engaging the gift. Everybody's playing with the wrapping paper. And Grandma Holy speaks to the family from her wisdom, and she says this to them, you've been given a gift that is valuable. You've been given a gift that came at a price. You've been given a gift that took a considerable amount of work on the part of your loving parents, and still here you are. You've set the gift aside, and you're playing with the wrapping paper. Grandma Holy says to the family, Don't forget in the midst of everything you're doing that the gift is actually the gift. A few years ago, my wife Shaniqua and I and our daughters uh, had a photo shoot with a friend who's a photographer, and when we went to his basement, it's all elaborate, and he has all this photography stuff there in the basement, I saw a new iPhone on the table, and I began to ask him some questions about the iPhone. I love iPhones. Some of you know that already. I pray for folks who don't have iPhones, who uh, have that Android ministry. I pray for y'all. Um, but that's another sermon for another time. This friend had an iPhone there on the table, and I began to ask him about it. And I saw, as he was talking about his iPhone, in the corner, this is a real story. This is true. Like, not to the rest of Mark, but this one is especially true. He had a, a stack of iPhone boxes about that high in the corner. And so I asked him about it. He and he started to tell me that he saves Every iPhone box, not just he, he, he's excited about not just the phone, but he saves all the boxes that the phones come in. And he had this elaborate explanation of why it's so important to keep the iPhone uh, boxes, the case that the phone comes in. And it's something to do with the resale value and all that kind of stuff. But as he talked, he was way more excited talking about the iPhone box than he had been even talking about the phone. And I tried to change the subject back to the phone, but he kept wanting to talk about the boxes. And I felt a little bit like Grandma Holy because I had to remind this friend, as I'm trying to remind us today, that that we should not get so caught up in the wrapper. We should not be so excited about the box that we forget about the actual gift. The gift is actually the gift we could do without the wrapper, we could do without the box, but the gift we can't do without the gift. And the Holy Spirit of God, brothers and sisters, is the gift of God. Can you just say to your neighbor real quick, I know we don't talk to people in church in Minnesota, but can we say the, the Holy Spirit is a gift? Can you just tell your neighbor that? The Holy Spirit is the gift. Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a promised gift. That's my first point this morning, that the Holy Spirit is a promised gift. John 14, verses 15 through 17 says these words to us. This is the word of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says to them, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you forever. John fourteen, verses twenty five and twenty six, just a few verses later, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while I am with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. He says in verses 27 and 28, peace, I leave you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says to his disciples over and over and over again that I will send the Holy Spirit to you. He says, I have to leave, but I will send the Spirit to you. John 16, verses 5 through 15, Jesus says these words. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asked me where you are going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. Verse 7, but verily, very truly, I say to you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin. Because the world, the people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He says in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than anyone can bear right now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus as he is preparing himself and preparing his disciples to leave the earth, to make his way back to heaven, he says to them, I have a gift that I'm going to give you. And he says to them to wait for what the Father has promised. The Holy Spirit did not come upon the people as a surprise. Jesus periodically and repeatedly reminded them that the Father is sending a gift to you, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. Jesus' words in these verses and in many more of them were words of assurance for the disciples, and they are words of assurance for us today that the Father has sent us a gift. Because God is a good Father. God has promised us the very best of God's self. Because God is faithful, God has kept his promises and has given us the gift. That gift is the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is a promised gift. But not only that, the Holy Spirit is a universal gift, a universal gift. Sometimes our excitement around a gift really has to do with whether or not we think we could get that gift. I remember as a kid, I, I didn't really like Christmas because we grew up incredibly poor, and so I tried to protect myself from disappointment by saying I didn't like, I don't need gifts. I, I tried to downplay the importance of gifts because I knew I wasn't getting anything. My grandma would give us; a, she'd get a pack of socks, and everybody would get one pair of those socks. Somebody, somebody would get a bag of oranges, and everybody would get an orange. Anybody else's family like that, you get an apple, maybe some pecans, pecans, as you guys say here in the city. We, We were poor, and so to protect my heart from disappointment, I said the gift wasn't important. But the Holy Spirit is a universal gift. It's a gift for all people, that all of us have a right to the gift of the Holy Spirit, In the the days of the ancient Israelites, the Spirit seemed to operate differently. It seemed to be given to special people at special times for a specific task. There were times it seemed as if the Holy Spirit would come and go. The, The phrase was that the Spirit would come upon them, which suggests that there were times when the Spirit was not on them. The word word about Joshua in Numbers chapter 27 says this way, The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hands on him. God appoints Joshua, commissions Joshua, and says to him, he's called, and I have put the spirit of leadership in him. Exodus 31 verses 1 through 3 tells a story of Moses and a man called Bezalel, upon whom the Holy Spirit came. And in the Holy Spirit coming to Bezalel, there were very specific creative gifts that came upon him. Here's what God's Word says: Then the Lord said to Moses, "See, I have called my by my name, by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, <clears throat> and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge." with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage in all kinds of craft. There seemed to be in the Old Testament a tendency for the Spirit to come upon specific people at specific times for the sake of doing some divinely, divinely assigned task. But something changes with Jesus. In the Old Testament, prophets Point us towards the change that would would come. This, This prophet by the name of Joel says that there is a day of the Lord coming. And in the day of the Lord, he says that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He says, my sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. He says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The prophet Joel is used by God to tell us that a day was coming when God's spirit will be poured out on all people, all people. When we think about the Holy Spirit being a universal gift, that that is important because for some of us, we've been told our whole lives that we don't qualify. We've been told that we're only as good as our last name. We've been told that we don't get to have certain things in this life because of the color of our skin, because of our education level, because our subjects and verbs don't always line up. But here the word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit comes as a gift for everybody. The Holy Spirit is a universal gift. The Holy Spirit works in the world among all God's people. The Holy Spirit even works among unbelievers in some some interesting ways. I'm not making this up. It's right here in the Word. The Holy Spirit even works among unbelievers. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually shows us that we even need a relationship with Jesus in the first place. That we, we were not saved because we were smart enough to get saved. While we were lost, it was the work of the Holy Spirit to show us that we needed to be saved. John 16 and 8 says this, And when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The work of the Holy Spirit in the world is the Holy Spirit holds up a mirror to show us that sometimes our life is filthy. Two implications of that. On one hand, it suggests that I don't need to walk around with a notepad pointing out all your sins and reminding you, you messed up that time. gotcha. Yep, I saw what you said on Facebook. Gotcha. My job is not to convict you of sin because the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, does that. There's some foul stuff people are doing in their lives. They don't need some pastor to tell them. The Holy Spirit has already told them. Some of us are foul and we know we're foul. So it's not like we're foul because we don't know it. The Holy Spirit's work in the world is that the Holy Spirit will first convict us of the sins in our lives. The other side of that is this, the Holy Spirit works to convict us and show us the sin in our lives, show people the sin in their lives. And sometimes they'll come to us and say, I have this sin in my life. Can you help me to know what to do about it? How do I get out of this sin? Isn't this a sinful thing that I'm doing? Isn't this relationship, the way I'm living it out, isn't it sinful? And some of us in our people-pleasing tendencies, in our PC-ness, will say, actually, no, This." There's nothing wrong with that. The Holy Spirit has worked to convict people and to show them that they're living in sin. And they come to us as followers of Jesus looking for ways out of that sin. And we're uncomfortable telling people that you're right. That is sinful. There is a way of coming out of that sinful relationship, that sinful action, that sinful way of being. And so there's a ditch on both sides that I want us to avoid. I want us to avoid being the sin police running around keeping track of other people's sin, but I also want us to avoid being the people who pretend that we're just called to love and say that nothing is wrong in the world. The work of the Holy Spirit says that neither of those ways is the way that God would have us to operate. The Holy Spirit is at work in the world, even among unbelievers. The Holy Spirit helps us to live as the redeemed people of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to know day to day what it means to walk out this faith. You'll find yourself in situations where you don't know what to say. Trust the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. There'll be times where you will get your feelings hurt and you want to run away from the very people God has called you to. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be able to come back to that person and still be in relationship with that person, even when they've offended you. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in the life of our church in this multi-ethnic, multicultural church where our experiences give us very different perspectives around every single thing when it comes to being the church. But I've seen the Holy Spirit work in ways that those of us who have no sense of commonality in many ways are able to live in community together, encourage one another to speak a language that goes beyond what I experienced in South Carolina and what you experienced there in Minnesota. The Holy Spirit draws us together in ways that we could not be apart from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to live as the redeemed people of God, but the Holy Spirit goes even farther and the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to be witnesses in the world. There are brothers and sisters who are very far from God. You <laughs> put the church finger up. <laughs> See, half the room didn't get what you just did. The Holy Spirit is going to show us what the church finger means. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need to live as witnesses in the world. Brothers and sisters, our work as disciples of Jesus is not complete if we have not made disciples ourselves. Like the work of disciple making, sharing our faith and walking with others as they grow in relationship with Jesus. That's not just a job for the pastor or the staff or the elders. Each and every one of us who calls ourselves a disciple of Jesus is not actually a disciple if we're not discipling others. You're wondering, how in the world am I supposed to disciple somebody? The Holy Spirit will give us what we need, will guide us as we do the work of making disciples. The Holy Spirit is a universal gift for the person who went to Bible school, and the person who never went to school. The Holy Spirit is a gift for the person up here behind the pulpit and the person in the pew. The Holy Spirit is a gift for all of us because all of us have been called to live out our faith and be witnesses in the world for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a promised gift. The Holy Spirit is a universal gift. But the Holy Spirit is also, before I take my seat, a constant gift. The Holy Spirit is a constant gift. We look at the Old Testament, we, we can sometimes get the impression that the Holy Spirit was episodic. Here today, gone tomorrow. we can get the sense that the Holy Spirit is hit or miss. I I go into this situation, and I don't know if the Holy Spirit's going to show up or not. The Holy Spirit is a constant gift that in Christ Jesus, that when Christ came, when Christ suffered on our behalf, when he was resurrected, the Holy Spirit was made available to us in such a way that we don't have to wonder if the Spirit is with us. We don't have to pray, Lord, give us your Spirit. The Spirit is already in us. The Holy Spirit won't be taken away in the way that it was with Saul when Saul had been called and anointed as king. And Saul chose to live his own way and do his own thing. And the Scriptures say that the Spirit was taken away from Saul. We don't have to worry and pray the same prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51 after he sinned with Bathsheba. Lord, please don't take your, your spirit away from me. That's not the prayer we have to pray. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is our constant guide. He is our assurance of God's presence and work in our life. He is our promise. And, and Matthew 28 and 20 says, The promise of Jesus, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of this age. The Holy Spirit is not leaving us. That when we believe, That when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift, and there's no return receipt. Holy Spirit lives in us, and he dwells in us, and he is the permanent indwelling of God's Spirit for the purpose of fulfilling God's promises in the world, in our life, and in the life of others, and the Spirit will never forsake us. We're not competing for the Spirit to like us and stick around doesn't work that way. The Spirit is in us, and He will not forsake us. I'm reminded of the song by C.C. C. Winans. The song is titled, He's Always There. He's always there. I want us to think about the Holy Spirit in that way. He's always there to brighten up your day. He's always there in every way. He's always there when it's cold and dreary and your faith is growing weary, you don't have to be afraid. He's always there. He's always there. Just ask for what you need. He's always there from the moment you believe. The Spirit is always there. Open up your heart. Invite Him to come in. He'll turn your life around and change you from within. The Spirit is always there. He's waiting to care. The Spirit is always there to comfort and to provide. He's always there right by your side to help you face today and to help you face tomorrow, to help you to live through the joy and through the sorrow. His love you can't deny. He's always there right by our side. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit is always there. always there. Your friends might walk out on you the Spirit of God is always there. Those vows that that significant other gave may one day be reneged on, but the Spirit is always there. Even as much as we try to care for one another in the context of the church, we sometimes get it wrong, but the Spirit is always there. So as we remember this gift that we've been given, I want to remind us, I want to ask us, don't forget the gift. Put down the wrapping paper and remember the gift. Stop talking about the box and remember the gift, this promised gift of the Holy Spirit, presence and power of God with us, which empowers us to live a life that we could not live on our own. God loves us, brothers and sisters. How do I know if God loves me? How do I know if I'm even saved? One very tangible way, that God has given us a gift. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. So when you're weak, the Spirit can make you strong. When you want to run away, the Spirit will help you to stand and love. When you feel like I've given everything I can to this, And it seems as if nothing is changing. The Holy Spirit reminds us, I'm right here. We're able to do with the Spirit of God far more than we could ever do on our own. So what do you pray this week? Are you praying, Lord, send me your Spirit? That's your prayer. God's saying, I've already given it to you. So we're not praying that God would give us God's Spirit. We're praying that we would have the courage to be led by the Spirit. Father, thank you that we are not alone in this work that you've called us to that our lives are not just up to us. God, you've made us some very capable beings. You've given us intellect and emotion and will. You've given us resources. But this work is far beyond us. So God, we pray, we cry out, that we would be reminded of your spirit. That we would be reminded that your power and your presence is with us. That the very same power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive and at work in us. So you extend to us today, O God, an invitation. For the one who is lost, you invite us to come to the cross, come to the altar to find peace and comfort and hope to the one who is already saved but is weary today. You extend that same invitation to us. Come to the altar. Place those burdens at the foot of the cross and leave them there. Father, I'm grateful that you've given us the gift we are imperfect but we have the gift we are at times fearful but you've given us the gift we are at times selfish but you've given us the gift because you've poured your spirit in us we are far greater than we would ever be on our own to remind us that we are victorious, we are more than conquerors, that we are the sons and daughters of God Father we love you We thank you for what you're showing us about ourselves and about you. We're thankful for the people you're you're molding us into. Church that we are molding us into. Bless us, Father. Blow our minds with how you use us. Send us to places that we would have not on our own gone. Cause us to show up in ways that we right now perhaps can't see ourselves. Operating it. Thank you, Lord. We get to be your people. Pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.